0: Hi. Hi. You're here. I'm here. We're here together. It's rainy, rainy morning. It is six o'clock in the morning. It's fifty degrees out. It's kinda of getting warm. It's the rain just started coming down as I got in the car here. It's still quite dark. The sunrise is closer than seven o'clock now. Maybe with daylight savings, I don't know. Uh, maybe some, maybe it's a different time. Who knows? You know. Maybe we'll know on this drive the time when the sun comes up. We can watch it come up together. Uh, my name is Eli. Uh, this is a podcast about um, craft techniques. It's about memory. It's about death, uh, it's about knowing about the physicality of the world around you, and relating to it um, as it relates to you and your body and your mind and how to learn about those things. So I'm here to learn and I'm here to explain things, and uh, tell stories bring you, uh, maybe a little bit into my world, and try to share the world of craft that I have been gifted in so many different ways. I've worked all over, all over America, all over the west coast, and inland, and upstate New York, traveled all around America. Um. Researching craft and technique and being being an outsider, being uh, someone that learns different things in different ways than most. Many of my techniques and knowledge is Experience-based studio or outside areas-based working for artists and craftspeople and farmers and ranchers, construction, picking up different techniques of Americana and old-world craft all jumbled together. And I thought, you know, it would be nice to share these things somehow, to record these things. Perhaps this is just a diary, maybe this is something for my kids, later years, to go back and understand where their papa was, maybe it's just for me maybe someday the cops will use this and come and get me. Um, but hopefully you're listening and learning and there's things here that you want to know about it's been helpful. <coughs> I have learned so much in all the different shops I've been in by just wanting to learn, by just being open to, to a new idea and a new technique, and unsure of what that will be, because I don't know what I don't know, and we can always learn something from someone. Like my dad used to ask me every Sunday, what new skill have you learned this week, Eli? So, what new skill have I learned this week? You know, that is a good question. Um, I just taught a flame-working class, and I developed some techniques around that class. I developed a couple kind of like... Basic steps for making a marble and a pendant, and I think I figured out a kind of routine um, that might be good um, to use to teach the basics of flame. Like, um, Borrowed from class, <coughs> I gave a. Uh, podcast about flame work at bead where I was thinking specifically about soft glass, um, which is a glass that just, it, it's a technical term, I guess, that refers to a glass that's soda lime glass, a glass that melts at just a slightly lower temperature. It's essentially a little softer in the heat. Um, and Boro, or and I don't hear this term as much but hard glass um, Boro is is a little stiffer in the heat and um, is more conducive to working with beginners because it's a little more resilient in the heat as well and doesn't crack as easily it doesn't heat shock as easily um, so it's a little easier to make like a marble or something maybe a little bigger for the beginner um, it's not as apt to go haywire of course it's a little trickier in that it's stiffer and it takes a little more heat uh, but if you don't constantly keep it in the flame it doesn't break uh, so i developed a i hadn't taught this kind of class before i developed a technique around walking a set of students through some basic steps and i think that might be that was definitely a learning presence for me i thought a lot about the podcast that I had recorded about flame working and just like the sequences I'd set up there and how how to teach how to teach It's something I think about a lot Uh, how to share the knowledge how to get it to somebody as quickly and safely as possible and if somebody is curious about something then that potentially is just an endless loop that can be fed. It can be closed too, because if you make it too confusing or obfuscate, obscure it too much, and make it just you know make it frustrating for them, um, that curiosity can close, and they don't, and they, and they feel they feel like they've learned enough of that. And, But if you can feed that curiosity through achieving um, their, some sort of goal, um, and they can feel um, accomplished with something in a technique, that it can continue to feed that curiosity, it can grow um, their their desire to just keep learning. They can feel like they've learned it, and they feel like they have more to learn, and they're ready for the next step, but it's about getting those, those first few steps in the right sequence, so the next few steps can then be delivered in the right sequence. Um, and it's hard to do, I think as Especially as someone who's learned a lot And once I get, have gotten further into techniques I think that actually I've um, Got to a place in my later years here 20 or so years into like a lot of these techniques That I'm really ready to like go back Revisit the beginning stages And be able to teach those And I'm not so lost in Complex techniques anymore. I've, I've I've also satiated some of my own curiosity around those complex techniques, and gotten myself through the other side where I'm. You know the fundamentals and the basics are, are very interesting again. And I think that's a it's a really interesting fun place to be as a craftsperson And as a steward of the craft. Like, I see it as so important now that, you know, to be able to learn the most basic from somebody that is very advanced, I think is really, it's very special. And I think a lot of people in the, the higher up into the technical worlds are not as uh, excited about teaching the basics and not as good at teaching the basics. Because they're they're interested in teaching the more advanced techniques, and so they don't do a good job of really bringing people in slowly and gently into the into that, feeding that curiosity in the, in the best way possible to create. More people that are interested in the craft That can carry the knowledge And it's, it's simply in some ways Maybe even a selfish concern Of realizing Like in order to get More people to carry this knowledge And To create more shops And to create more interest It is important to teach That beginner Foundation level In like a very specific easily accessible way so that that everyone that has a little bit of curiosity will continue to have that curiosity. They won't become satiated or frustrated or uh, move away from their craft. Uh, So, in the interest of some of the the highest craft we're going to talk about uh, Goat and donkey toenails today. Very intriguing, exciting world. Animal husbandry and how you may care for uh, these critters' feet. Now, I've only been around for some horse shoeing. I haven't spent a lot of time with horses and their so I don't want to speak directly to that because I think there's probably a bit more to a horse and around than I might know about but donkeys have pretty similar feet and actually what I really know about is miniature donkeys Um, and so as far as Actually, keeping a larger animal stable, um, there's a little bit more to the harnesses for those animals, and how you might want to keep them safe and stable. Wow, you. Um, from their tenants. Okay. So, with, well, let's see, let's start with the idea of having an animal from a young age, because I think if you have a goat or a donkey from baby time, um, you really want to potentially even clean its feet once a week and that's a lot and if you got some critters that might seem crazy but if possible um, if you can get them used to this activity it will make it um, a lot easier to do they will just they'll keep their feet always clean and um, it won't be difficult to clean their feet Um, they'll know that it's okay, and they'll know that you're going to be gentle, and you're going to take care of it, and they'll also... um, that it will also, you will just keep, keep ahead of it, so things won't get weird on your, uh, feet. So, you might want, um... A sort of harness for them, you know, walking an animal with their harness, like a face harness, um, is a good way to get them used to it. So putting on the harness and then walking them for a short walk and then. Them eat and drink with that and getting it on and off um, so that it's easy and not a wrestle to get that on their face um, and they're not resisting and then they're easy to put it on and then you can get it on and then it will hold them when you're trying to clean their toilet's always a good idea animal training, the best you can do is start from when they're babies and give them the information you need to give them on a very regular basis when they're very young. Sometimes you might not be able to give them this information when they're young uh, because you might get an old critter. If you've got goats, you might end up with an old goat uh, goats and donkeys live for a long time you know, donkeys will live like 20 years goats like I think it's like 12 to 15 usually, but definitely can live longer um, and it's a long time so people be passing around old critters and they could be, you know good companions to other animals Um, if you got horses you might want a miniature donkey just because miniature donkeys are good companions but they're less work than a horse Um, and so as a companion and critter goats are great at eating things Um, if you want them to eat something that's a good reason to have a goat Uh, they're cute fun um, you know leg like critters are all stinky uh, they take a lot of work uh, one of the bigger projects is their toenails um, if you don't have a nice big open area with lots of dry ground and maybe like dry dirt or even a little bit rocky that they can move around on a lot or with goats like a place that they can kind of scramble up um, that'll really help keep their toenails in shape if you end up with an old goat that has been living in a smaller pen that's pretty muddy uh, oftentimes if they haven't been moving around a lot their toenails will grow long because the movement will help them uh, essentially file down their toenails and hooves so if they're not moving around a lot you might end up with a little bit of a curl on the toenail and if somebody has not been taking care of them at all um, then they might be really curled in toenails um, I worked for fancy artist once who had um, got old goats bought a farm with old goats and sheep and uh, all the toenails were all fucked like that and one of the big huge goats was not did not like to put on a harness either old goat and you're not really going to teach that goat about that harness but they would always keep a collar on the goat like a dog collar um so, that you could put it on there and then um, that would kind of help trim the toenails. But then the collar always being on the goat kind of was like created a rashy neck situation on the goat. So, um, we decided not to keep the collar on the goat all the time. And then we would really need to get the goat and restrain the goat to trim the toenails, which is also tricky. 220 pound goat. It's a lot of goat. It's a big goat. I'm sure there are bigger goats out there. But that's a lot of goat. Um so if you're going to trim the toenails of a goat, let's sort of the goat goat, sheep, uh donkeys. Uh, I don't know, maybe we should start with the donkeys, because they're more, um, it's more regular. Uh, I'd go to um, go-to mark, say, a donkey, miniature donkey, uh, well trained miniature donkey that likes to take a harness you're going to put on its face harness and give it a short lead up next to the fence and then you're going to want a file and a pick and some sort of cutty shear like a sharp shear like a short and short uh, you know like a uh, 10 snips something that can cut, it's got good leverage a longer handle shorter blades so you have got good leverage the longer handle on scissors uh, further away from that pivot point is what's going to give you the leverage and um, so now we got our go friendly goat. I mean, I'm sorry, we got our donkey, our friendly donkey. And we've got them harnessed on a short lead, either on a fence or on a tie-off point. It doesn't need to be super short, but just so they're not going to go to move around a bunch. And then as we know, we don't want to go behind a donkey or any of these critters get ourselves in harm's way of their feet kicking, um, putting a hand on the side of the animal as you move around it will help give them a signal that you're there. They can usually see you because of the way their eyes work, um, but it's good to keep them Informed of your whereabouts as you move around them. Uh, so I don't know. I like to start with the front feet because you're right there and then you can kind of keep your face close to their face and talk to them while you pull their foot back towards the back. And if you pick up their foot and pull it back towards the back, it'll put them in a position that they it's they can't um, it's harder for them to kick you, you know, and they're they're in a more a little bit more of a prone position without stressing it or pulling it too hard, you can kind of pull it back and and create an opportunity to clean out the inside of the hoof, inside the hoof, and so you scrape out the inside of the hoof and then um, potentially trim with your tin snip type shears. Um, and then also file down to pull the toenail in. Sometimes if it's split or infected, like you're gonna have to work your way up to it over a little bit of time. like you're trying to cut just above the quick and make a nice hoof shape. But sometimes if it's been let go for a bit, there might be an infection, there might be a split in there, you might need to clean some stuff out and you might not be able to cut back as far as you'd like to create um, the right uh, shape on the And if there is some sort of infection, you might want to use some sort of cleaner. There's different kind of cleaning things you might want to clean there. Antibiotic kind of clean solutions. You might leak something on there. You might, in extreme case, use some epoxy. to glue something into their toenail. Probably going to give them some ivermectin. Um, uh, that seems to be a pretty, like, catch-all, uh, in the critter world. We really do love just giving them ivermectin. It's a bit like the aspirin of the, the critter world. Um, uh, it's, like, deworming, but also, like, just de you know, d lots of things. You know. The, the use of in American small time farms, and I'm, I assume in large time farms, but um, in the world of like, farm animals, man, yeah, people really love their buckets if I remember. So, you're gonna give that critter some, maybe you're gonna give it some medicines. Um, and you can clean those toenails those that hoof and you got your pick to kind of clean out the middle and that's where in the center is like the more sensitive pad but you want to just like get the poop out of there and dirt out of there and inspect that pad in the center of the hoof and make sure that that's not um, infected or messed up and then trim the hoof down So it just looks like, you know, looks like your normal toenail, except like it's it's on a critter, and it's big. Um, And then you're going to move carefully over to the other side of your critter, and now you can clean and trim the other front side. And if you have a little stool, you can sit next to the animal and pull the hoof back and set the hoof on your lap, so the hoof is up, and the bottom of the hoof is now facing up to your lap. Um, and just pull just slightly off to the side from the animal. So it's not like straining the leg, but so that it's so you're also not right in line for if they kind of want to move their back leg and stomp on you or kick you. Uh, and so now we've got the front hoofs clean, and now we want to move to the back and get their rear hoofs clean. And uh, these ones are the more dangerous ones because the rear legs are what can really kick you, and even a miniature donkey can yield a pretty, pretty hefty kick, and you can probably probably break your jaw, give you a concussion, knock you out, potentially even kill you. Um, It's not, you know, they're definitely small, but um, they are really strong, stronger than us. Um, So, um, same sort of thing, sit next to them, pull their leg back and off to the side a little bit. So that you're creating just enough tension, so that they're not, they don't have slack in the leg to kind of pull back and whack you, because you've got the kicking leg right in your, in your lap there, uh, and kind of bending at the knee joint, and so you've got them in a good position. They're comfortable, you're comfortable, you're not nervous, they're not nervous. And you're going to clean their toenails, <coughs> and you're just going to be real aware of like of that pad in the middle, that sensitive area of where that quick might be located, and using the shears to trim some, and then a file, the big raspy toenail file, to remove some of the material out of the front. And if you if you scrape the top of the toenail a little bit. You, know, you can kind of see where it's cracking and like as if you were taking the top of the toenail down towards the ground um, and you can see that where um, where the toenail is where the pad is and where the quick might be located inside there um, quick be the, the part of the flesh that's in there blood, The place of the blood and the living cells are the nerve endings. You don't want to get into because um, that could that could hurt them and then make it bloody and expose them to an infection. But you're not going to go that far. And so that's pretty straightforward. He's got a well-trained dog, you know. Um, now, for the sheep, now you got some old ass sheep that you gotta take care of. And the sheep generally aren't harness trained. Um, but they do have a very interesting um, attribute of being, of having an actual submission position where. A sheep is sitting on its butt, like its tail down, sitting as a human would sit on their butt, um, sitting up, legs out, they will totally just relax. And you have to, you're then going to brace them from behind. They're going to be sitting between your legs with their head kind of in your crotch, facing away from you. And if you can get the sheep into that position, the sheep's going totally relaxed. They're just, they're like, that's, they're totally fine. They're like tongue out, just totally. It's like a chicken when you put a chicken upside down. I don't think it's quite the same thing, but it seems fairly related. Um, and they definitely just go limp and relaxed. If, you know, you start to lean or they get off sideways and they can kind of, Get up or start to move, they will but they'll pretty much just they're pretty pretty docile, I'm sure there's some breeds that are maybe less so but um, in my limited sheeping experience uh, sheep really really do great at um, relaxing in their submission position So, the sheep, if you have uh, a sheep, um, what do you call that, like the the locks or a a block or like some sort of, you know, the the apparatus that you put the sheep in that presses from either side and then you can rotate the sheep sideways, Uh, if you got one of those, then you're you're all set. You just walk the sheep down the hallway into that and uh, use the, the lever arm to put the two squeezers on the sheep, and then you squeeze the sheep, and then you rotate the sheep sideways, and then boom, you got access to their toenails and you can clean them really easy. Um, But um, lots of farms don't have that for their sheep uh, or their goats. That is an expensive apparatus. Um, Helpful, but expensive. And as many, many farms in America run it's just there's just not there's not a lot of money um, there's a lot of critters and there's a lot of things growing but there's not extra money to buy apparatus um, and so a lot of the traditions that are passed on in the farm world are based on um, a very basic amount of materials very very rudimentary um, setup and so a technique for your sheep um, if you've got sheep that are either in a small enough area or are docile enough to get near then if you stand next to a sheep reach over across its body, and you're going to grab the legs that are nearest to you. So you're going to re- reach over them and underneath them and grab the legs that are closest to your legs that are on the opposite side of the side you've just reached over. So you're reaching kind of under the sheet grab their legs, and then you lift them and flip them and land them on their butt carefully to kind of rotate them. You're not trying to chuck them, but you're just trying to lift them and set them down onto their butt. Kind of quick flip like this, and then you've got a sheep on their butt with its legs, with its head between your legs, facing away from you. And you are at its back, and then she is totally relaxed and excited for what's next. And so at this point, you can just reach down and easily get to their front toenails because they're right there. Um, you can also, this is a great position to shear them in, which is a little more complex technique, um, but it's an it's a old school way of shearing them. They just sit in that position, and you can shear them. As long as you're good with the shear, the or the scissor type, um, you can shear the heck out of your sheep right there. Um, so, now the sheep toenails, sheep elk go toenails they tend to grow a little quicker and like a little more curled where um I feel like the donkeys, I feel like the donkey have miniature donkeys like they'll want to kind of grow up and out and like long and goat toenails kind of like curve under um and so, they tend to like really trap stuff under them. And so, what can happen is there can be an infection or something in there because they trapped all this mud, and fecal matter in their toenails. Um, and so, you'll want a pick to clean it, and then, same, maybe. A scissor type thing. The, the the scissoring is not as extreme because it's a thinner. It's more like feels a little bit more like a toenail rather than a big thick hard piece of wood like the, the donkeys have. Um, and so the tin snips are not so necessarily like maybe a, a a good pair of like pruning shears is kind of little closer to the kind of scissors that you might want. Um, I've found just a good pair of sharp scissors that you can cut close with the toenail and then you can even use the point of the scissors as the pick to clean the toenails. You can have a separate pick, it's nice, but if you're using, you have the scissors in your hand and you're careful, you can just clean um, the toenail fairly easily. Well, uh, speaking of farm country, uh, we're just in beautiful, rainy, Napa farm country up here. Uh, the rain is really pouring down. It's around 7 now, and uh, i tell you what. The sun has just started to come out, so I think it feels like the sunrise is probably closer to 7.30. Uh, so that's the report. That's the weather report, the light report. Uh, it's still kind of cold out there. So with this sheep, that we might have, um, we got it, um, on its butt, we're trimming its toenails, um, Pretty easy to reach those front toenails. Trim those things. Um, Same, just being aware of the quick. uh, You can use the inside pad as kind of a reference for like length, so that you're not cutting too far, not cutting into the quick. I mean this is the thing if you've got if you're doing this you know really if you could do it every two or three weeks uh, and then you're you're taking care of your cheap uh, toenails then you don't need to do it every week and it's, it's, it could be a bit of work. And there's not a lot to trim if you're doing every really. week. And hopefully if you can get them into some dry area and get them a place they can move around, you might not even need to do this much at all. Maybe you do this once a season, like in the wintertime, when things get slower and a little muddier, then you might need to do it a couple times. Uh, sheep tend to be just kinda handle it and they're not they don't want to wrestle about it. No Get those front toenails. It's going to be a little trickier reaching down and getting the bottom feet. You know the, the back feet, the feet that are on that are closer to the ground. So trickier to reach down there. And you might want help with someone. You know, you might want somebody else to put the to have the sheep in this docile position, in the submission position, or so that you can do it, and that might be a little quicker. Um, and then the same when you get to the goats you might want some help because if you can put a harness on the goat that's going to make it easy also and you potentially could do it like we did the donkey where you'll hitch the goat to the fence and then maybe give a little snack and then um, then you can take some time on the toenails, and it'll be just fine. Goats shall always get trained as well, um, so they might not like the harness, and that might actually make them extra mad and it make make it harder. Um, goats have horns, and those can also be really dangerous unless they've had, they've been dehorned. Uh, but they might have horns and if they don't have horns they might just have a hard head they want to smack you with Um, they really do they really do like uh, to smack you is their their form of defense Um, and they have really long amazing necks, very flexible very able to knock you on your butt from lots of different positions so you could take a goat and uh, put a harness on it you could have your friend you could hold them by the head uh, if they have horns uh, you could have somebody hold them kind of in a headlock position or hold their their head between their legs because the goat is small enough and doesn't have horns and isn't that aggressive Uh, because you don't want to have to wrestle them I think the the trickiest part with a critter is like if they can wrestle, they're going to get stressed out if you can get them into a position where they can't move very well they're less likely to be they're not going to, they're going to relax because they know that they, they're they kind of they're, they're dominated and they're going to be alright um, rather than having them loosely held and having them moving around and having them potentially get out, then they're going to get stressed out because they think they might be able to get out if they really thrash about um, let's see what we keep this those critters nice and relaxed um, so the goat, you know here's where we get to the, the last and final technique um, which is um, if you don't have a shoot for your go and a way to hold them and this goat doesn't like to have a harness and you don't have a leash on it, you don't have a collar on it because that just gives them a rash. But they have been in the mud for months and their toenails are all curled over and they're obviously living. You might need to get that goat uh, and you might need to pin that goat down on the ground. Suppose you could hog-tie them. Um, I feel like lassoing them is also, like, got the potential, but it's also another, like, stressful way to deal with an animal. Um, Anytime you lasso an animal, like, they don't want to be lassoed. Come on. They got rope around their damn neck. Uh, So, the best way I've found and been shown, and this is definitely some like old world upstate New York style um, is to simply tackle your goat uh, and bring them to the ground and hold them in a submission position on the ground Um, and it's probably a two person operation it's possible, I've seen it done well in a one-person operation by big farmers um, that you would jump this goat from the side, bring them down onto their side, and then put the knee on their neck, and then face into their body, and then grab their toe, their feet from there, and see your butt and your thigh hold down their head and then trim their toenails and it's an aggressive intense position and move but one of those ones if you watch a skilled farmer do it it's a you know it's a couple minute operation and the goat doesn't really, the goat is, seems to be fine. They're not squawking a lot, and they just kind of give up into that position. If you watch the younger kid trying to do it, is not as skilled, you'll watch the goat fight a lot, make a lot of noise, and get stressed out. Um, and so you might not want to try this just after listening to me describe it to you, you might want to go talk to a professional, you might want to get another opinion, because I'm assuming that this is one of those things that's probably like maybe a little controversial that like not all farmers want to tackle their goats, but I think you're in that position of like you're trying to be the steward of a critter and of some land and you don't have a bunch of money to get a nice fancy goat shoot and You do need to make sure your goat's toenails are cleaned uh, because you don't want your goat toenails to get an infection. Um, And so you might have to use a technique like this. You might be lassoing your goat, you might have some harness tricks. There's some ways you might be able to get a harness around a goat while they eat, but um, that's definitely some advanced techniques as well. And once a goat kind of knows that you want to put a harness on it, uh, you're essentially kind of need to reach the harness over their head and slide they're headed to it and then depending on what kind of buckles you have you might have like a couple of buckles you need to get on that harness um, which can be you know you might get it right over their mouth and then you're wrestling with the buckle and then that go it's like they are not excited about that and that I think is where you kind of end up kind of stressing your trip because like you're trying to do something and you're spending a lot of time fidgeting with it and trying to do a thing to go Maybe that goat doesn't want done to it. Um, you're gonna be raspy about that. And so if you got a good technique, forget that harness and that goat real quick. And then get it buckled out. Or you got a nice harness, it's got some easy clips to clip, and it just goes quick. Boom. That's a great way to do it. Great auction. Great option. Great option. Um, oh, boy. Sun's coming up now. Out here in farm country. It's nice to think about all these critters. Um, this here farm country, in the rain. Uh, all the people that are probably out there, in the rain right now. Going to get the hay, get water, make sure the critters are alright. Something really wonderful about animal husbandry and the, the regularity it requires and the the simplicity of it, the simplicity of the needs of the animals, of the food and the water and basic body health and resilience of those animals in their uh, issues, you know, see like seeing how bad (laughs) some of the, you know, injuries and, like, infections can be on animals when toenails get all fucked up when they get caught in a fence when they they fight with each other and you have these injuries that can seem like, you know, on a human would be debilitating and on a critter it's just like, you know, you just keep an eye on Um, and, they're, and, and they are up and around, moving around just fine with their crazy ass injury. Um, and it's, you know, the simplicity of that is like such a great lesson in some ways. And just like what we as bodies are able to do, and can do, uh, Kind of, you know, faced with the reality of, of a simplistic kind of, you know, I think that you have to be careful to project too much and like to kind of turn it into some like you know super metaphorical situation, like it's, you know. But I think there's a. A lot to be learned just about our own approach to life and our own um, strengths and uh, the ability to just face a to face a rainy day and what that uh, what that can mean. Um, and how to how to get out in the rain and uh, eat your hay uh, <laughs> while, like you know while sporting a very serious injury you know um, watching an animals die with as much you know energy and swagger as they as they always have is a, is a wonderful reminder of our abilities um, and I think in my own time on farms working with donkeys and goats and cows and watching like you know, the movements of those critters you know we're different we're very different critters also there's something to really recognize there like. And you can see the way the animals move together, and then you can see the strange independence of humans as animals. And then you meet those animals that, like, are strangely independent. Those, you know, the outliers in the cow herd, the weird goats. And then all of a sudden, it comes back around to recognizing. Uh, see the independence in the crib and see the the difference and that um, you know those they become you know personified in a way and and see you know those, the lone goat uh, and uh, the simplicity of the sheep and their focus and their mellow attitude silly donkeys and their just, their silliness donkeys are just so silly you know, they like to be silly they like to be rascally, they like to harass each other, they like to yell at each other, they like to run around I don't know Something there that's a wonderful reminder of watching the lizard brain of chickens at work is even that there's something to like recognize in oneself. Uh, so, um, you know, hopefully you get a chance to trim your animals' toenails. Literally, or metaphorically, uh, out in the rain, in the mud, with a stubborn goat. You know, I hope you don't have to do that every day. I hope you don't have to do that every week. But I hope you do get a chance to do it, and you get to enjoy that act of metaphorically wrestling your stubborn goat to the ground and trimming its toenails and then watching it walk more comfortably if not a little pissed at you but walking more comfortably and a little more upright and I hope that you can be the one to Guide uh, the goat. Guide your goat uh, into a better, uh, into a better life, a better, uh, better place. Whatever, whatever your goat may be. All right. Well. Um, gosh. Thanks again for listening. Love you lots. Um, We'll talk soon, alright? Just send a message. Bye for now.